Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for December 27th, 2017. Very exciting because we have the gang back together, just just me and Maddie. That's that's the whole gang, just the two of us. Uh, but we have, let's see, 10 games to talk about tomorrow, and oddly not a lot of injuries. I, maybe, I think that might have a little bit of something to do with the holidays. I think maybe just because there was less games, people got days off, so they were able to recover from injuries because usually for a 10-game slate we have like 30 players that are questionable to talk about, but not the case tonight. So we'll jump in. Uh, Dallas versus the Indiana Pacers. So overall, not a super interesting DFS game. The Most Mavericks teams aren't because they play so slow pace. But then we also have both teams on the tail end of a back-to-back, which should also impact it a little bit. Uh, I think the pricing overall looks pretty fair on Dallas from the Indiana side of the game. Pretty down-paced matchup for them. We have a point total of 206.5, which is probably one of the lower ones for Indiana that I can remember. Uh, yeah, I don't really think there's anybody here that I want to roster. How about you, Matt? No, I don't think so either. We have 10 games to choose from, so don't have to reach at all, as as always. I think there could be some chalky players here. There were some huge games for the Mavericks on Tuesday night against the Raptors. Uh, the Maxi like, Kleber game. Yeah, and Dirk was really good. Uh, Harrison Barnes had a pretty good game, so did J.J. Barea. So maybe a little bit more reason even to not roster the Dallas guys. Uh, Oladipo probably will be low-owned because he put up a massive dud in a pretty good matchup against the Pistons. But he's still priced at 9100 and this is a really tough matchup against the Mavericks, so I think avoiding the Pacers is probably the move, even though it should be pretty contrarian. Yeah, I mean, the issue I have with Oladipo at, what is it, 9,100 now, is is just the shooting's going to regress a little bit. He's not a 50% shooter from the field. And then also, he, like, two steals and two blocks per game, I think that should come down a little bit. I think Oladipo's been really good this year. I think he's going to be an all-star. Just 9,100 and what's an overall negative matchup for him, I just think is too expensive. And then also, tail end of a back-to-back. So that is, even though it's home, it still has a little bit of an impact on players. So next game on the slate is the Celtics at the Hornets. From the Celtics side of the game, we have uh, Marcus Morris has been ruled out. Jalen Brown is doubtful. So that should open up a little bit more playing time for Jason Tatum and Daniel Tice. Uh, Tice is at 3,600. So if he was minimum, I would consider using him 3,600. It's just kind of whatever to me. Uh, Jason Tatum at 5,600, I think, is a fine play. Not somebody who I'd go crazy for. And then from the Charlotte side of the game, I think there's a little bit of value on Dwight Howard. But in general, I just have not rostered a lot of players against the Celtics this year. They're a really good defensive team that played a pretty slow pace, so not a great spot. Well, it looks like the Hornets are actually priced down a bit for this matchup. Uh, Just pulling up Kemba Walker's pricing game by game. But before getting there, Terry Rozier also from the Celtics, I would think would also see more minutes with Jalen Brown out, and he's at 4600 so probably some value there. But for Kemba Walker, 6600 is the cheapest price tag he's had all year. He was over 8000 just a couple weeks ago. So even though it's a hard matchup, I think Walker is actually, like, the price has been over-accounted for, it looks like. Maybe it's a fair price going against Boston. They've been good at guarding point guards this year, but Given Kyrie Irving's track record as a defender, I would think that probably regresses a little bit as the season goes on. And the Celtics have been a little bit worse recently on defense. John Wall had a huge game on Christmas. So maybe they aren't as good defending guards as they've been so far. And Kemba's just really cheap. So I think he's probably 
he's probably my favorite player from Charlotte. Although Dwight, I think, makes a little bit of sense also. Let's see. I was. I feel like the part of the other reason that Kemba Walker's price is down is just because he hasn't been good recently. Yeah, he did score 47 fantasy points just two games ago, and he only had 34 in the game since then. But both of those games were against Milwaukee, so both tough matchups, and he was priced below 7000 for both of those. So it's a little bit strange to see his price actually going down when he scored 80, 80 fantasy points over the last two games. Yeah, I think, I mean, for the upside, definitely it's 6,600. I think I agree with you. I would be fine with him. So next game on the slate is the Washington Wizards at the Atlanta Hawks. I think what's most significant from the Washington side of the game is that John Wall doesn't have a minutes restriction anymore. He played, let's see, how many minutes was it against the Celtics? He played 39 minutes against the Celtics, easily the most he's played since coming back from the knee injury. So him at 8,900 against the Hawks, which is a plus matchup, I think he's very rosterable at that price. The season started with John Wall at 9,800. He got over 10,000. And then just coming back from injury because of the, the the minutes restriction, his production was down. His price dipped after the good game. He's gone up to 8,900. But but still, 8,900 for Wall is much cheaper than what we're used to seeing him at. If he's going to go back to playing his usual minutes, which is like 30 to 40 minutes per game, I think he's a strong play. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is one of the worst individual defenders in the league. And then we have, I think, Otto Porter also in play at 5,900 from the Atlanta side of the game. What do we have? The Wizards have been one of the better defensive teams in the league. So not a team that I generally really want to target. Uh, but, okay, so Dennis Schroeder is actually at 7,300, which I think is fine for him. Uh, not like a super strong player or anything, except just kind of based on the usage that he has in the offense. He's a relatively high floor at a 7,300 price tag. So I'm fine with Schroeder and nobody else from Atlanta would I put into a lineup. Yeah, I like Schroeder too, and looking at the line movement for this game, there's been a little already. It looks like there's some sharp action on both the Hawks and the over, so that kind of sets up to be a fairly contrarian stack spot. I think some people would be worried about blowout risk for the Wizards playing against the Hawks, but the line, op- the line opened at minus 6 for Washington, now it's only 5.5. The total's going up from, it's gone up from 211.5 to 212.5, so should be a close game, even if most people don't think it should be a close game. But yeah, there's not a ton of guys from Atlanta to want to use. They spread their minutes around pretty thin. Maybe John Collins for up for, for GBP upside. Uh, but Schroeder and I guess John Wall, probably Otto Porter, those are the main guys I would target. But I think I'd use Collins in a game stack. Uh, yeah, I would consider... What have Collins' minutes been recently? Because I know that they were they had him pretty restricted when he first came yeah, back. Yeah, he's been restricted, but the restriction seems to have gotten a bit lighter. Um, he's not at full minutes, I guess, but he did play about 27 minutes, two games in a row, and then he didn't play quite as much in their most recent game, but he, he has played a couple games in the high twenties recently. Yeah. I think the one thing I'd be concerned about is Mike Muscala is questionable. So if Muscala plays, that would probably have me off Collins, but I think there is potential for him to get back to like that 27 minute mark if Muscala isn't in the game. So next game we have the Toronto Raptors of the Oklahoma city thunder. Also, Toronto, this is a road game of a back-to-back in a very tough defensive matchup. The Thunder actually are now number one in the league in defensive efficiency. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, the pricing still we have. So Lowry and DeRozan are a little cheaper than what they've been. Lowry at 7,600 and DeRozan at 82. But still, just for the matchup and the tail end of a back-to-back, I don't really want to roster either of them at those prices. And then for the Thunder side of the game, 
let's see where these guys are at. My internet really sucks here. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Russell Westbrook is 11,200. My favorite play here is Paul George at 7,100. He was playing really well before he had that calf injury, which forced him to miss a couple games. And then he was kind of a little restricted coming back. He was playing minutes in the low 30s. But the minutes are back up now. Last few games, 41 minutes, 37 minutes, 40 minutes. And the production has been fine for what his price is, 32, 51, 38. So him at 7,100, I think there's a lot of upside in that price tag. And with the amount of minutes he's playing, even though it's a tough matchup, I like Paul George, 7,100. Yeah, I think that's a decent play. Overall, I agree with the sentiment that it's a bad spot for the Raptors. And they still, their prices have come down a bit, but they are probably still overpriced. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas has played really well recently, but this is it's a pretty bad matchup for him too. I guess if uh, Steven Adams was still hurt, then maybe it would be better. But with Adams there, it's it's not an easy matchup. It's a road game, second night of back-to-back. The line movement actually is already favoring Oklahoma City. They've gone from minus 2.5 to minus 3.5. So that points towards what you were already talking about. Uh, yeah, not a great spot for Westbrook, but I think, I think Paul George could make some sense. Uh, I would guess, though, that in most lineups I'll make, I would probably just fade the game entirely. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook's been really good recently, but still, that's that's a high price tag for him. There's probably going to be other spots where I prefer to spend up. Uh, one of those spots is the next game. Knicks at the Bulls, Kristaps Porzingis, 8,600. I like him a lot in the matchup. And then Courtney Lee down at 5,100. It seems like a lot for Courtney Lee, but he's actually been really good recently. If you look at his last few games, 31 fantasy points, 30, 26. And then he just had a total shit game against the Hornets where he only scored six fantasy points, but then they just got blown out in that game. And the other two games before that, 34 fantasy points and 42. So Courtney Lee at 5,100 I think is actually a pretty strong play. Ennis Canner's been really good recently at 6,800, except if you look at his minutes overall have just not been that consistent. And I think a lot of people are going to look at his last couple games and say, like, oh, I really want to play Ennis Canner. He's gotten a million points and a million rebounds. Uh 36 minutes was by far the most he's played all season. And actually, he had gone under 30, like, 10 games in a row before that. So I'm fine with being off Ennis Canner at 6,800. From the Bulls' side of the game, this is another team, second half of a back-to-back. And let's see, what is the price on? Chris Dunn at 7,200, I think, is in play. The Knicks have been one of the worst teams in the league at defending point guards this year, so he's fine. And then everywhere else is just hard because the Bulls, the front court minutes between Markinen, Lopez, Bobby Portis, Nikola Mirotic... They've been really spread out, so I'm just kind of avoiding that situation until somebody gets hurt again or somebody punches somebody in the face and Mm -hmm. both of them are out. So I think Chris Dunn is the one guy who I'd want to roster on the Bulls at 7,200. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I agree with you on Courtney Lee. Uh, Frank Milakina has been getting a few more minutes recently, so I think he could make some sense as a punt play, but we do have a lot of choices on this slate. I think this is probably a game to mostly fade. Uh, It's a 207 total back-to-back situation for the Bulls, although it is a home game for them. But yeah, there's not a ton to look at here. Courtney Lee, though, I think just is underpriced in general right now. All right, moving forward, we have, all right, we're halfway through. Next game is the Denver Nuggets, the Minnesota Timberwolves. This should be one of the more fun games to watch, one of the higher scoring games on the slate. I think Jokic still in play at 8,600. Also a back-to-back situation for him, but still, The Timberwolves have been a below-average defensive team this year, and Jokic just a really big part of the offense with no no Millsap there. And then the other guy who I think makes sense is Trey Lyles. Uh, As Matt and I are talking right now, the Nuggets game is going on, so 
we don't really know what the minute situation is going to look like. But Lyles has been playing a lot more minutes recently. Last couple games, uh, 29 minutes, 33 minutes. And let's see if I could just check this box score really quick and see where he's at. The game's still in the first half. Yeah, it seems like Kenneth Farid is the one who's fallen out of the rotation, which is probably the main reason Lyles is playing more now. Yeah, totally. So, okay, so Lyles is at 12 and a half minutes uh, midway through the second quarter. So, once again, I think Lyles has become that guy off the bench for him. So, I think he's a decent value at 4,400. And from the Minnesota side of the game, Minnesota's offense has been really concentrated recently. It's just been a lot of Jimmy Butler, a lot of Carl Anthony Towns, and then everybody else has just kind of been secondary. It's actually kind of weird looking up the pricing here because Butler and Towns are both much cheaper than what they've been in recent games. So I think 8700 for Towns and 8000 for Butler, I think that's good prices on both of them. Yeah, that's kind of strange also. I guess uh, the Lakers-Wolves game on Christmas sort of turned into a blowout, and neither guy had that good of a game. So maybe that's the reason uh, Towns didn't do too much in that matchup, so there could be just some recency bias in the pricing. Yeah, that is that is a little bit odd, especially for Towns. Um, he's had a bunch of big games recently, and now is cheaper than he had been at his peak. Um, this is it's It should be a pretty good offensive game overall, uh, total at 214.5, and we do have a lot of low-scoring games on this slate. That's actually the second-highest total of any game. Uh, so for stackable games, this makes sense because none of the players are really that expensive, and Jokic is still probably pretty underpriced. And the game with the highest total is the next one on the slate, the Nets at the Hornets. From the Nets side of the game, uh, let's see. We have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 6,400. I think that he's in play. One thing to keep an eye on is that right before Matt and I started, he had left the Nets game with an injury. It's hard to really take any Rondé Hollis-Jefferson injury seriously because – I think he's left, it's way more than half of the Nets games he's left early this year, and he comes back almost every single time. So, let's see, yeah, he's already back Yeah, in he's game. back in this game. But he leaves an absurd amount of games early and then just comes back. He rolls an ankle in the first quarter of almost every single Nets game. I'm fine with him at 6,400. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know what the Nets are going to do in the front court to try to match up with, with the Pelicans, because the Nets usually play a lot of small ball. I would imagine that Hollis Jefferson, who they play at center a decent amount, he would just he's gonna get destroyed by Cousins and Davis in this game. So we'll see if they we'll have to see if they stick with that. But I just don't know who else they play. Like uh Julio Okafor has not been in the rotation since they got him at all. Do they play Tyler Zeller big minutes? Maybe he's worth looking at as a punt play. Yeah, he's it's been just, starting. Maybe Damari Carroll is the one who matches up, or Quincy Acey has played I mean, 10. I, I, don't think, I don't think Damari Carroll is going to match up against Damari Well, Cousins. we can get to the other side because it's certainly a good matchup for both Cousins and Davis in an up-paced game against a team with bad frontcourt defense. So, I'll, I mean, I'll say Rondé Hollis Jefferson's in play. I think Dinwiddie's in play because he's had a number of big games recently. Um,. I mean, just I'm looking at this Nets roster and just trying to figure out who's playing the big front court minutes because it seems like there should be a decent value play somewhere just because there are guys who don't usually play for the Nets that I think have to play somewhere in like the 20-plus minute range, but it's hard to figure out who that guy is. And then from the Pelican side of the game, I mean, Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, for the reasons we just talked about, are strong guys to pay up for. The Nets have nobody to match up with either of them. Yeah, I don't know if there's anyone else, though, from New Orleans. Like, looking at this game for stacking purposes, I don't think there's much there because the Nets' minutes are kind of unpredictable as we were just trying to figure out. And Rajon Rondo has been really bad recently. His price is still at 5600 I think when we were recommending him more strongly, he had been playing better and was cheaper than this. His price was in the mid to high 4000s at one point this season. And, and also, when Anthony Davis was out, 
he was playing 40 minutes a game and then Anthony Davis came back and he went right back to playing like 25 to 28 minutes. I guess they just felt like they needed extra offense on the court with Anthony Davis. Uh, maybe because Alvin Gentry's an idiot, he felt that Rajon Rondo gave him <laughs> extra defense without Anthony Davis. But w- whatever the case is, the, the biggest reason for the dip in production of Rondo is just the minutes aren't there right now. Yeah, and then someone else on the Pelicans who I don't think is usable at all, but not for the same reason. Drew Holiday was really good in those games that Anthony Davis missed. He gets a big usage bump without Davis on the court. 7700 for him with both of Cousins and Davis playing and Rondo being healthy now. It's just way too much for Holiday. I think he could be pretty popular because it's a plus matchup, and I think all the Pelicans guys will be fairly popular, but that's kind of just an absurd price to pay for Drew Holiday at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think beyond the DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, I, I don't think there's going to be a roster. So it's it's a tough game to stack. And then also it's just hard to fit Davis and Cousins to, into a lineup together. So probably not a game that we could stack. Uh, moving on, the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Sacramento Kings. Uh, this is a back-to-back for the Kings also because they play late tonight. From the Cavs side of the game, I don't really think that there's anybody who's a standout play. I mean, LeBron is always fine to play. He's had, let's see, before the last game, he had a tough game against the Warriors. But before that, he'd scored over 60 fantasy points in, I think it was like 12 consecutive games. So he's fine. He's very safe at 11,700. I think there's probably other guys that I would prefer to pay up for. And then nobody else is really all that interesting from the Cavs side of the game. From the Kings... Another situation we'll kind of have to wait and see how the minutes shake up tonight. But so far, since De'Aaron Fox has gotten out, Buddy Heald and George Hill have played a lot of minutes. So assuming that that stays the same tonight, I think George Hill at 4,500 and Buddy Heald at 5,000 are both pretty decent value plays. Yeah, I think so too. And one notable fade, I think, from the Cavs especially is Kevin Love, who had a huge game the other day. He had 60 fantasy points against the Warriors. Much slower game, hard matchup. Uh, I don't, well, the Kings aren't good at defense, but just the slow game makes it a tough matchup. So I'm fine with LeBron, but the Cavs are not in a good spot here. There's a decent amount of blowout risk at, as 10 point favorites. That line might be a little bit inflated by public bias, but still much more blowout risk than just about any other game on the slate. Most of these spreads are actually pretty close. I think the only one that has more blowout risk is probably the one that we haven't talked about yet. So I, I think fading the Cavs, except for maybe LeBron, if you're paying up for someone and you don't want to have total exposure to Cousins and Davis, I think LeBron could make sense. But I'd much rather use Cousins and Davis. Uh, but there there is a lot of value on that Kings side. I guess it's just hard to figure out their minutes. Maybe the younger guys play more because it is second game of a back-to-back and the veterans like Zach Randolph just play a little bit less. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, we do see the Kings rest a lot of players. So there is a chance that we wake up tomorrow morning and we just find out the Kings are resting a bunch of guys. It's it's very possible it's in the cards. So uh, I don't think that we'll just see Zach Randolph limited if he plays. I think it's more a case where there's maybe like a 20% chance tomorrow we just find out that he's being rested. Yeah, and then George Hill, too, is probably the other guy. So something to monitor for sure. All right, next game on the slate, the Memphis Grizzlies at the L.A. Lakers. The Memphis side of the game is just a fade for me. They have ridiculous price tags. Marcus sold at 8,800. Tyreek Evans at 8,400. The Lakers do play at a very fast pace, except they're a much better defensive team than people think of them as. They are playing, let's see, where are they at? They are ninth in defensive efficiency. So it's not like you look at them as a total just terrible defensive team. The issue is the Grizzlies play so slow 
the teams just tend to pay, play to their pace most games. So the point total in this game, 198.5, it's really low. From the Lakers' side of the game, it's just the same issue as the pace. A massive down pace game for them, and also the Grizzlies are a decent defensive team. I think the one guy who's worth rostering is Jordan Clarkson because the Grizzlies have struggled to defend point guards a little bit since Conley got hurt. But everybody else I'd probably stay away from. I know Kyle Kuzma has been ridiculous recently, but he's just not going to keep hitting 50% of his three-pointers. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Kuzma because I think he's probably, maybe Clarkson, but Kuzma will be among the most popular players in this game, maybe most popular players on the whole slate just because he's been so insanely good lately. But with Brandon Ingram probably playing in this game, it could be a few less minutes for Kuzma, but definitely lower usage with Ingram on the court. And then, yeah, he just can't keep shooting this well, even if he does keep playing well. 7,400 is too much for him. Uh, I agree with you on Clarkson. Definitely agree on fading the Memphis side. Uh, maybe Kentavious Caldwell-Pope or Julius Randle. Not, it's, it's sort of a tough matchup, but with the Grizzlies being on a second night of a back-to-back on the road... I guess maybe they play a little bit worse defense, and Cobalt Pope is playing extra minutes um, with Lonzo Ball out. I would think he plays a few extra minutes, although the Lakers' rotation has been kind of nuts lately. Uh, Clarkson's really the only guy that I'm comfortable with. All right, next game on the slate. This game just has massive blowout risk. The Utah Jazz, who are currently look like potentially going to be blown out by the Nuggets tonight. They're down 14 in the first half. And playing in Golden State on the tail end of a back-to-back, there's just so much blowout risk here. I mean, maybe you could take some of the cheap Warriors, uh, some of the cheap, there's no cheap Warriors guys, take some of the cheap Jazz guys and hope the game stays close with a couple of the Warriors studs. Uh, let's see, what is the price on the Warriors guys? Uh, we've got Clay Thompson, 67, Draymond Green, 75. Uh, so here's the thing, like there's upside in those Warriors guys. You could throw them into a GPP lineup too risky for cash games and there's just so much blowout risk here that I would I probably tend to stay away from it yeah I think there is a lot of blowout risk too but I think it's the game that most people will look at and say I'm staying away because of that blowout risk so for GPP only I think you could stack the game the issue then is who can you fit into a lineup because the players are like you said pretty expensive but I think you probably could construct a lineup that has Durant has maybe one of Draymond Green or Clay Thompson and then the rest of the players in the game aren't really that high priced. Donovan Mitchell's at 7,000. There's a bunch of guys in the 5,000s. Uh, Jordan Bell started last game, but I think that Steve Curd said that Zaza Pachulia is supposed to start. And Bell yeah, is priced at 4,900 now. Thing, that they're going to be switching game to game, and Zaza's the starter tomorrow. Yeah, and Bell, Bell's price has gone up a lot. Uh, he was kind of, I think he was close to min price just a couple weeks ago, now at 4,900. Um, if he's not the starter, he's really not usable. And even if he is the starter, it might be a little much for him. Um, Durant is a little bit cheaper than he had been in previous games, and the Jazz are worse defensively than they would be with with uh, Rudy Gobert there. And like we've mentioned so many times, I think that most people just haven't really caught on to how big of an impact Rudy Gobert actually has on Utah's defense. But at the same time, that does lead to more blowout risk. So I don't know. You could use Durant and hope the game stays close because he should be more efficient than he otherwise would have been. But there's also just a greater chance that the Warriors win this game by a ton. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a risk. This is the big game with the biggest blowout risk on the slate, which is could be said for basically every Warriors game every time they play. So that'll finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be recording a best, uh, the football podcast for the last football season of 
the last football season, the last football week of the season. 